Did you push yourself to be great today? Did you do it? If you didn't do it, you lost today. We ain't got many days to lose. Lowe is trying to get open, fires away. Ah! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. And this time he's going to go down. It's going to be picked off by Mack. Mack with the interception. And Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. This is Respect the Midwest. Welcome back to the Respect the Midwest podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, along with my sidekick, Alex Mann. We are back for another week of sports. Sports are in full swing. Sports are officially back. I declared it last week. They are officially back. The NFL begins in 11 days from today, from when we were recording this. I've never been more excited. Okay, I have been more excited in my life. It's not going to be the same. We all know it's not going to, but... There is a little bit of, you know, a fire is burning in me. I'm ready for, to watch real football again. Not that Central Arkansas and Austin P didn't count, but I, I'm my, my football veins are flowing. How about you, Alex? Oh, I'll take what I can get. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to watch Division Three football, even if I have to. Yeah, I did Illinois actually. College, Illinois College versus McMurray, here we come. Oh goodness! I watched I watched the first few plays of that game, and the first play of the game was a seventy-five yard touchdown run, and I was like, "Yes, football is back." And then for the rest of the game, it was super, super sloppy, and it was kind of just eh to watch. But you kind of expected that, and we'll get into that later today. Along with, uh, we'll talk a little bit. I'll talk a little bit of the MLB trade deadline. Nothing really happened. Really, there like, is catastrophic there. There is some Division One FBS football happening on Thursday night. Who's playing? Yeah, I guess I haven't looked since I'm an Ohio State fan. And since the Big Ten canceled, I really haven't been looking. Central Arkansas is playing again against UAB. We're gonna get into all this. The, um, the Blazers of Alabama Birmingham. <laughs> UAB Blazers. And baby. then the game of the night: the South Alabama Jaguars. Versus the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. I tell you, man, this is, even though it's not even like Power 5 football, just seeing these schedules, it just, it just I mean, I got butterflies, you know? It's just, it, it, it's nice to see. So there's that. Leonard Fournette Some got good. cut by the Jags today. We're going to get into that. Um, in what was, I mean, basically, I think you told me earlier, they're basically tanking for Trevor now. I mean, that's what the Jaguars yeah. are doing. But we begin today with the NBA playoffs. Almost every series has come to an end. There is one series that still has to play a Game 7, and it is the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Sunday night, it was the Jamal Murray show, to say the least. In a game that they had to win, literally, it was win or go home for the Nuggets. Uh, defeating the Jazz 119-107, to 107, 50 points for Jamal Murray, 9 of 12 from 3. They needed all 50 of those points. Um, they won by 12, but even like he, if he would have scored 38, which is also a fantastic night, you know, they would have, you know, obviously situations happen and, you know, you get points wherever you get points based on other things too, but they needed all 50 of those. And Donovan Mitchell, again, continued to prove that he's also become an elite scorer in this league too, especially here in the bubble. So, it was good to see Jamal Murray have that performance, obviously with his message at the end of the game too. 
that was nice to see, but my Utah Jazz, who I predicted to win the series, and you laughed in my face, are looking. <laughs> Not sure. And did. They've been looking a lot better than we, I mean, even that I that I expected them to. Um, I thought they were a good matchup for the Nuggets, even without Conley, um, and. I mean, they've been playing well so far. I think they've been the better team so far in this series, but the Nuggets have had the best player in Jamal Murray, at least yes. in the last couple of games. I'd like to bring out point up of last game about how well the starters for the Nuggets played because the bench only scored a combined 14 points total Yeah, out of the 119. Their starters mm-hmm. scored 22, 50, 10, and 18 and five, mm-hmm. respectively. That is a very good showing, especially for Jamal Murray. I oh, mean, absolutely. anytime you shoot 75% from the three, I mean, that is just... Hats off to him. I hope I hope they win the series now, even though I said it in the beginning. Right, yeah. I mean, there's obviously that vested interest there, um, saying that they would win, but... It's been a really, really entertaining series between the Nuggets and Jazz, and I look forward to Game 7 here on Tuesday night on ABC. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, all the... I mean, these are two good teams. Now, granted, I think one of them is going to get blown out by... Well, I don't know if they're going to get blown out. I don't know. Um, They are playing the Clippers, and speaking of the Clippers, they were able to finish off the Mavericks... There on Sunday, um, again, Luka Doncic putting on a show like he does every night. But the Clippers were too much for the Mavericks, and ultimately they won 111-97. to Kawhi Leonard had a fantastic game Sunday night. 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. It was a good run for the Mavs, but ultimately their lack of depth, not having Chris Porzingis hurt them, and the Clippers were able to escape in Game 6 and move on and await the winner of the Nuggets and Jazz. Yes. I just, hats off to Luka Doncic. I mean, he is only 21 years old, and he is putting up MVP stat numbers on a team where, without Chris Porzingis, they are nothing without that. I mean, yeah, they have Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke, who are solid role players, but without the the European brothers, they're not going to do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. The other series that still has to come to an end, and I don't know why I forgot about this series, it seems to be one of the more underrated series because of how crazy uh, the Nuggets and Jazz series has been. But the Rockets and Thunder, uh, in Game 6, Houston leads the series 3-2. As we are recording this, the Thunder do have a 31-29 lead. I believe I picked the Rockets to win this series, and you know it's, early, it's still kind of early in game, uh, game 6. So as we continue, I'll try to keep, up, keep the people updated on that. Um, but overall in this series, Russell Westbrook coming back, I don't, I didn't think he would make that much difference. Maybe he didn't make a whole lot of a difference, but they beat the Thunder 114 to 80 by 34 when he came back. And maybe, maybe he does provide that much difference. What did you see when you were watching those games? Well, Russell Westbrook shot three for 13. He only had seven points. Right, that, that's Granny, what I'm saying. I was so like, can, like, I mean, I guess he makes a difference. Yeah, but Robert Covington had 22 points, and he's just not—he's not that kind of player that will is will pop off like that. So hats off to him for having a good game. And going back to the Thunder, I mean, 
sometimes you just can't play well, good basketball, and that's they didn't play well on mm-hmm. on on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And right now the game is thirty three twenty nine, and it's going very well in my opinion. Even though I picked the Rockets to win the series, yeah. deep down I really want the Thunder to win because I like that underdog mentality with Chris oh most Paul certainly trying to yeah most most yeah most certainly I think most people are, would have probably rather the Thunder win from a pure emotional fan standpoint. Um, you know, nobody really likes the Rockets in the way that they play. I mean, with James Harden, he doesn't have a ton of fans around the league. Um, and so the Thunder are kind of the, the people's champion right now. But um, they are on the verge of elimination here, so they need to close it out. Um, close this game out if they're looking forward to a Game 7 and hopefully move on to the next series against the Lakers. Speaking of the Lakers, and let's just r- quickly run over both L.A. teams. Or, excuse me, we already ran over the Clippers. The Lakers were able to close out the Blazers... Uh, on Friday night, or excuse me, Saturday night, and that series, after the Blazers won game one, everyone was, you know, hopping in the Blazers bandwagon, saying the Lakers are overrated, or that Damian Lillard, best player in the league, and they're going to come back, and they're going to beat the Lakers, like, some people were saying that they were going to sweep the Lakers, or win in five, that didn't happen, the Lakers came back and absolutely stormed stormed out uh, in the next four games, and made quick work of the Trailblazers. A gentleman's sweep, as we like to call it in the biz. Yes. And to point out, even even though Damian Lillard is the focal point of that team, heads off to Carmelo Anthony and C.J. McCollum for a oh, for sure. well-fought series. I yeah. mean, who would have thought in a 17th season Carmelo will be put it, would be putting up 27 points and shooting 75% from three? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't think that he's at all. A, he's had a rejuvenation this year, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, sometimes, that, but sometimes sorry. you just can't compete with the likes of LeBron and AD. I mean, right? Yeah. When their marriage to... happened last summer, it's gonna. You knew it was gonna be something special. Yeah. And it, it's funny because, I mean, you, sometimes. You don't sit back and think that Melo's been in the league for 17 years now, and it's not that he's not even playing on an all-star level anymore. Not really even close to it. But the fact that he's still going out there and giving it his all, and I mean, he I mean, he played well, you know, comparatively speaking, in the series. So it was good to see him back out there, and hopefully, you know, we you know he can stay in this league, and hopefully, he can find himself again. Um, as for the other series, they weren't too entertaining. Uh, the the Raptors made quick work of the Nets. The Heat made quick work of the Pacers. And the Bucks made quick work of the Magic. Anything you wanted to add from those series? Uh, I'd also... Well, the series, the Celtics and the 76ers. Oh, yeah, and the Celtics made quick work of the Sixers. That, that's how quickly they made work of the Sixers. They get were just... Joel they were Embiid, get Joel Embiid help. Honestly. If they're going to succeed, they need help. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, the Sixers were the saddest team in the playoffs this year. Yeah, Ben Simmons is an all. He sometimes plays at an All Star level, but him and Embiid just do not mesh well together. And no, over overpaying Tobias Harris and Al Horford was not the move. Right. I think now trade it comes them to, off. You're right. I was about to say that. It pro- now it comes down to 
they're probably going to have to trade either Embiid or Simmons, and I would trade Simmons personally, and then try to build around Embiid yes. because, you know, they tried to build around Simmons already, and that clearly didn't work. And so I think you you got to just break it all down. They fired their coach Brett Brown literally right after Game Four, so it's time for them to revisit their strategy um, in terms of finishing this process, which yes. seems like it's been going on for ages, which it I mean it kind of has been so. It's a shooter's um, league now. And absolutely. When you have, and we have Ben Simmons who can't shoot a damn three-point to save yeah. his life. I mean, come on. Even freaking Brooke Lopez, who you wouldn't think is would be a great three-point shooter, is now shooting eight, three for four from the three-point line while going right. 80% from mm-hmm. the field overall. I mean... Speaking the stretch, of, the stu- go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Speaking of Brooke Lopez, the the Bucks lost to the Heat today, and it, and look, it was one of those games. I saw a stat earlier, or I heard a stat earlier. Eric Spoelstra, the Miami Heat head coach, in game ones, is eleven and one. Mike Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer, goodness, I I messed that name up. Coach of the Bucks, three and eight in game ones. Just saying. And I kind of saw this coming today, uh, the beating that the Heat put on the Bucks today. Uh, Jimmy Butler with 40 points today. You were just telling me right before we started recording um, just how just how efficiently Jimmy Butler played today. Also, shout-out to Bam Adebayo for posting a very impressive double-double with 12 and 17. Absolutely. And, it, again, here's the thing, though. It's like, are the Heat really like good enough to to beat the Bucks in a seven game series. Because we saw something similar last year when the Celtics beat the Bucks in game one of the semifinals. And the rest of the series wasn't really I mean, close. If they keep on holding if they keep on holding Giannis to only eighteen points, I mean this may have been a fluke, but I feel like the the Heat play a very good defense and I feel like it's going to be a six-game series where the Heat pull it off. I, I, You know, I would like to see that. I really am pulling for the Heat to win this series. Uh, we'll see how game two goes. I'm going to make my, uh, you know, official, I guess, prediction on this after we see game two. Uh, and we'll come back with the NBA next week. Obviously, our Thursday episode that we're going to record is going to be all NFL. So, um, but yeah, it'll... It's going to be it's going to be interesting for sure to see how the Heat handle um, you know being up um, in a, in a series where I think they are a slight underdog. So um, that will be interesting. Any other thoughts that you had on the NBA playoffs before we move on? Going to the series where team basketball is so important, the Celtics and the Raptors mm-hmm. right now. I mean, the Celtics put on a show. Great team basketball yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. Both is I think twenty one points apiece. I think I think people I think people forget that I, I sometimes I even forget that Kemba Walker is the starting point guard of the Celtics now. He put he put up eighteen and ten yesterday, eighteen points and assists, and that's that's what you know. And Ky, you know he outplayed Kyle Lowry, and point guard play is going to be so important in this series. Despite you know the Jason Tatum's of the world, the Pascal Siakams, um, you know being maybe like the best overall players for their teams. It's up to the point guard play because those are the guys with the ball in their hands, you know, 
more than any more than any other player on the court. And so, I mean, Kem- Kemba Walker won the battle convincingly yesterday, and overall, that's how the Celtics did too. I mean, that's a great matchup, Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart versus Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about just a battle of underrated point guards, that is one of the finest. I totally agree. And so, now do you want to transition into Leonard Fournette? Yeah, let, let, let's pop over the NFL real quick. Um, yeah, it, we'll just gloss over this Leonard Fournette situation. I guess it's really not a situation. I mean, guys get cut all the time. But Leonard Fournette getting cut was something that we didn't see coming. Um, I guess he hasn't been... I mean, so so I guess we kind of could have seen it com- coming here is what I heard earlier today. I don't remember if it was Doug Marone, the coach who said this, uh, the coach of the Jaguars who said this, or if it was... Uh, the Jaguars GM. Let me let me fact check myself real quick. But essentially, they couldn't find any trade like options for him, which makes me wonder if there's something that you know that if there's something that that we all didn't know about behind closed doors that the Jaguars really don't trust him for whatever reason, um, or they don't think he's worth the investment at running back. I don't know. He is owed four million dollars, so whoever signs him will have to pay him that. I tend to believe that he's gonna end up playing for cheap, probably get a one-year contract with somebody this year as a test run, and then, you know, this is kind of a prove-it year for him, I guess. He did have his best season uh, last year in 2019, uh, vastly improving as a pass catcher. Um, so, and you know, again, we don't really know exactly what the Jaguars are, are thinking. Again, like, like I said at the beginning of the episode, they're basically on a tank for, trank, tank for t- ugh, I can't talk, tank for Trevor mindset. So it, it, it's going to be, I don't know. I want to see how this play, this all plays out. Um, what what was your thought when you first saw this this morning? When I saw, when I first saw it, I was surprised. And then I went on to NFL.com and I read an article about the potential landing spots. And you have your basic teams that will always appear up. The New England Patriots will always appear on a like. Oh, a veteran free agent is cut. Where will he go? New right. England will always appear at that. But one right. team that popped out to me was the L.A. Rams. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at them now, they Sean McVay is a very creative coach. And they lost Todd Gurley this offseason. But then they also drafted Cam Akers. And he's, only, he's a rookie. He's unproven. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like if they're going to want to make him the future, bringing in a back like Leonard Fournette to – carry the load on a one-year deal and help teach Cam Akers how to excel in the NFL and then Leonard Fournette can go off to better things after that. No, that's definitely a possibility. Um, of the few teams that I saw, um, including the Rams, and again, I think I agree with you, the Rams would be a good fit because of you know just how creative Sean McVay is. I think he'd, he'd find a way to get him involved somehow. And you know, despite only being in the league for a few years, I think Leonard Fournette, you know, he can be, you know, kind of a guiding light for Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, too, who's also uh, in the Rams' backfield. So it'll be interesting um, to see what what happens, what would happen if he did go to L.A. I think that's probably the most interesting. Um, you may call me a little biased here, but the place I'm seeing most mentioned is Chicago, especially with the recent news. And maybe this is a little recency bias by people, the people who are writing these articles and giving these these takes um, with the recent news that David Montgomery, you know, has a groin injury. He might miss a couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, the, the Bears have been floated out there as a as a real as a real candidate here. Um, I don't if, if the Bears were to sign him, I wouldn't think they'd give him a long deal. I think it'd just be a one year rental, and then send him off to free agency. I think the Bears at the running back position are kind of putting all the chips in the middle for David Montgomery. Tariq Cohen is not he's a running back, but they use him more in the pass game than anything else. Um, you know, Tariq Cohen is kind of like. Nagy's little gad, Nagy's uh, Nagy. I don't know why I said Nagy. Nagy's little gadget, like his little guinea pig that he just uses, you know, in all all his weird, you know, trick plays um, that he likes to do. So, Fournette, even with David Montgomery, I think he would still have a you know have a solid role in the Bears' offense. So, um, definitely, that's just my thoughts. I, and obviously, I'm a Bears fan, and I would love to see because I know I know what Leonard Fournette's potential is. His potential is through the roof. I think we all know that, and that's why he was the fourth overall pick. But we have yet to see, I guess, his full, full, full potential. You know, he only does it kind of in spurts, kind of like Derrick Henry did in his first few years. Um, so if he can have a resurgent Derrick Henry-like season this year, I think it would do a lot for him, uh, you know, going forward. Another thing I want to mention. Actually, the first thing I saw, I thought, when I saw that Leonard Fournette was released, I thought to myself, Travis Etienne into Jacksonville for some reason. I feel like somehow he's going to get to Jacksonville with Trevor. And it's just going to be the Trevor and Travis show. I don't know why I thought that. That would be something. I mean, the number one running back in the class and the number one quarterback in the class. That would really be something. When's the last time time that happened for a team? I don't know if it's ever happened, honestly. I don't I can't. I can't say that I remember a certain time. Uh, I mean, this is that would be that would be something special. I think they're 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 looking at either one of those guys, probably more on Trevor Lawrence side. Yeah, uh, we'll see how Gardner Minshew plays this year. Um, I'm not expecting him to have a Pro Bowl like year where the Jaguars are gonna be like, oh goodness, this is our guy. As much as I love him, much as everyone loves Gardner Minshew, who doesn't like Gardner Minshew, honestly, he is a um, he's a legend. Oh, he's awesome. But at the same time, you know, you got to win as an organization in order to get anywhere. So um, I can't imagine they're, they're look, you know, they're looking to keep Minshew as the number one option for the years to come. And even then, they're, they're building a decent wide receiver group there in Jacksonville. I mean, when you think about it, they have DJ Chark, who is a 1,000-yard receiver now. And... They have Keelan Cole still, who I feel like is still a solid role player. And even Chris Conley, who is a very good speedster from Kansas City a couple of years ago. They're definitely young. And they're, they're very unproven, I think, in Jacksonville. And I think, again, this is a year where those guys are going to – where the organization is going to decide where, if certain guys are willing to be invested in for this you know, ongoing rebuild, it seems. Um, basically, since the 2017 season, they've kind of been in a rebuild, getting rid of Jalen Ramsey last year. Um, and so, ever yeah, since, that's, ever since they blew that lead to the Patriots, it's all been yep. downhill. Ever since they got rid of Blake Bortles. Blake Magic. <laughs> Blake Magic. All right, anything else you wanted to add in with that? Any other teams you, you thought would be interesting? Uh, I mean, the team that also came to mind was Kansas City just for a moment 
But then I remembered that they had drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I feel like they're going to give him an opportunity over Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette is, yeah, he is a decent pass-catching back, but he's not the kind of back that they use in that offense. I, I would agree with that. I, don't, I, I can't see um, that that really happening. Um, but, I mean, look, it's all situational. I think I feel like a team that we don't think would want Leonard Fournette is going to get him somehow, like the Patriots or like the, I don't know, like a team like the Texans I also saw was thrown out, but they have David Johnson now. I, you know, Duke Johnson's still there, I believe, too. So it, it, I, I don't really know why that was thrown out so much. Um, Good. What about yeah. the L.A. Chargers? I mean, that's also – that would I mean, they make have a Aust- lot more sense. They have, they have Austin Eckler, but Austin Eckler is just a but he's, proven pass. But, but he's mostly a pass-catching back. He can run the ball a little bit. I honestly think L- the Chargers might be the best fit for Leonard Fournette, honestly. Obviously, I'd love him on the Bears, and if David Montgomery's out, then I think the Bears would be the best fit. But outside of that, I think the Chargers would be a great fit for him. Now, I don't think he's going to go there because I don't think the Chargers are willing to invest in him and have him have a good year and then have to pay him. I think the Chargers are like are another team that's kind of looking toward the future, looking to add pieces around um, their hopeful franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Um, also, uh, look, also watch out for him to stay in state with the uh, Miami Dolphins because that is another young team that is looking for veteran presence mm-hmm. in their locker room. And with Tua Tagovailoa s- slated to be at least a starter in midseason, I would say. Who's their number one running back? Kalen Ballage? He's on the Jets now. He, he actually Ballage. failed his physical. He's back on the Dolphins. Oh, they really? I didn't see that. Wow. He, yeah, he's back on the Dolphins now. Oh, geez. How do you feel? I don't know. Well, that's a topic for another day. Um, All no, right. That's a, Let's that's transition to college football now. Every day, it seems like the Big Ten just continues to frustrate me more and more with, like, they keep, they, they keep trying to give reasons for why they canceled the season. And it's just ugh, all the data doesn't back anything that they're saying up. Um, if you want to, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't consider this political. The data from the CDC would show that cases in all of the states that Big Ten teams are in have never been lower since, like, basically when this all started. It's never been better now since, you know, this fiasco has taken place. And... I don't. I you can't. There are a few things that I just can't wrap my head around. For one, Kevin Warren, you're letting your son play at Mississippi State. You're letting him play football this year. And you said it was a big family decision. Well, who are you to make a decision for everyone else then? Like it's it, you made the decision for your son. Why are you making the decision for everyone else? That's the first thing. He's a big hypocrite. And I think that's not even like a controversial statement. You're letting your son play. You're not letting the conference you run play. Makes no sense. Second thing. I guess it, and this is kind of related, I guess. How is Notre Dame playing, which has more students than Purdue does? Purdue's not playing. 
Indiana is not playing, both within 100 miles of South Bend. Michigan. I mean, what do you re- Northwestern I mean, you really is super close it. to Notre Dame. All those places are not playing yet. Notre Dame is going to play this year. Well, hopefully at least. Yeah, it's seeming really sketchy. I mean, with I th- personally, I really don't know because you know more about college football than I do. Yeah. But uh, I feel like just wait until Thanksgiving, like they've been saying. I feel like that would be a decent starting time. For the Big Ten or for everything? I say for everything. I mean, you start after Thanksgiving, and you can play the SEC schools, can play in the warm weather. And like an article I read the other day, the Big Ten is looking into playing in some dome stadiums, uh, neutral sites in this season for the winter. But it's something. It's a plan. At least that's some. That would be some sort of plan. And what the Big Ten doesn't have that every other conference has is a plan. Um. I now hopefully you know with this talking that we could be seeing Thanksgiving football. I, you know, I wouldn't mind that at all, um, based on what we've been given. You know, waiting till the spring, I. It just doesn't seem worth it at that point. You wouldn't be playing for any sort of championship. We're not playing for any sort of championship anyway, nationally. So a lot of the luster is lost anyway. But it's just a frustrating situation. And I know I'm just a fan, and I know I'm not the one making these decisions. But when the data doesn't back you up at all severely and the cherry on top, you're letting your son play, it just that's, that's the part that just just angers me and I think you know I think everyone in the media or not in the media but I think everyone's every fan has kind of stressed their frustration and hopefully the Big Ten uh, is hearing you know what we're saying they're probably they're probably hearing it they're probably not paying attention though Uh, the documents came out today that 11 of the 14 university presidents uh, in the Big Ten voted no to play football the only ones that voted yes to play football were Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska. Now, with that being said, all of the athletic directors voted yes to play football. Every single athletic director, that includes the Michigans, uh, the Northwesterns of the world, the Wisconsins, the Penn States, the Rutgers, the Maryland's, they all voted yes. University presidents voted no. Just want to throw that out there. I mean, it's almost all like a money grab. I mean... Not to get political with it, but if you think about it, if the university presidents are doing that, voting no, then and the, all the athletic directors are voting yes. I mean, yeah, if it's for player safety, I mean, I get it a little bit, but if it's, it'd be a damn shame if this is all just uh, political and mm-hmm. all for money. Yeah, and and we won't get into that side of it, but it's just it's hard to ignore it though because in the time that we yeah. are and you know with what's going to happen here in a couple of months on November third, it's hard to it's hard to not at least question it. Um, so it's it's a little bit frustrating from that perspective as well. Anything else you want to talk? I I, I want to go to bed and cry myself to sleep now. Is there anything else uh, in the sports world that you want to mention, or are we going to just? Uh wrap her up and preview Thursday 
Um, I mean, the U.S. Open's going on right now, but <gasps> I don't care. <laughs> Who's watching it? <laughs> Nobody. I, I'll probably put it on in the background um, while I'm doing other things, but I won't be intentionally watching that. Um, let's just get the people the people updated for Thursday. Thursday, we are doing our NFL preview, our very extensive coverage um, of the NFL season. Looking forward to that. We're going to do division predictions, uh, early MVP predictions. We're going to look back on these. They're probably going to be all wrong. doesn't matter. That's why you do them because they're fun. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking we forward can even to it. Fantasy football, we're doing, we're doing everything. The revival of the XFL. Okay. <laughs> okay, everything NFL, not everything football. <laughs> okay. Um, as we get deeper into the month of September, we'll go back a little bit into college football, too. Um, and also, every week, as- on Tuesdays, we will be, we, excuse me, on Wednesdays, um, we'll preview the Thursday night games, and then every Friday we're going to be releasing our picks for the weekend. We're going to do a ton of picks. We're going to keep track of them, pick it against the spread, uh, best bets, any little prop bets that we see. Um, we're going to put them all out there for you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to push out content this year, all football, all the time here in the fall. And as the NBA playoffs happen, we'll also talk about them too as they as they start to wrap up here um, as we get into the second round. So we'll keep you updated on that. But it's football time. It's football time. We're excited for it to be back. Any last words you got for the people at home? The world just sucks without football. I mean, I to, all those, to all those people who say they don't like football, go go get checked out. I mean, come on. You, you, you also They don't realize the fall would, be not, would not be called fall without football. It, it would be autumn. Yes. Stay safe. Make smart decisions. And... Go Patriots. Oh, jeez. See you Thursday.